In my podcast, Fat Loss, How to Actually Do It, I spoke to you about one of my key factors of weight loss. However, to keep my podcast as brief as possible, I decided I'd split my two main key factors of weight loss into two different podcasts. This podcast will be about my second factor of weight loss, eating frequency. My name is Christian Harrison of Harrison Fitness, and my topic of discussion today is fat loss and how to actually do it, part two. Just to be clear, eating frequency is not how much you're eating, it's how often you're eating. For example, eating three meals a day versus one meal a day. It has nothing to do with the size of the meals, but how many times you've eaten. The most popular consensus of eating frequency is that eating small meals throughout the day will keep your metabolism going. In fact, most fitness gurus will go as far as to say if you don't eat for about 12 hours, your body goes into some starvation mode and begins burning off your muscle tissue or brain matter for energy. This, however, is just flat out wrong. Our bodies do have a starvation mode, but it's certainly not the reason for our physiological decay. In fact, it was the reason for our physiological prosperity up until the invention of agriculture. I'll explain. To begin, let's talk about the environment our ancestors had to live in. Think about the Stone Age. There were no grocery stores, liquor stores, restaurants, or even food trucks to get a quick bite. Moreover, humans, compared to other animals, were at extreme physiological disadvantage. We aren't as agile as wolves or gazelles, nor are we as strong as lions or gorillas, but it didn't matter because our ancestors had to go up against these animals in the name of natural selection. Do you think they had the luxury to eat three decent-sized meals with some sacks in between? Absolutely not. I'm sure there are many days when many human families had to just not eat for the day simply because the hunter was unsuccessful on his daily escapade. Because of our innate physiological disadvantages, our body had to develop some kind of mechanism in order to be able to survive during those periods of low food availability. This is where our starvation mode comes in. In the first part of fat loss, how to actually do it, I explained how upon consuming food, your body releases a hormone called insulin, which allows the body to utilize and store energy. However, this is only the first half of our starvation mode. For our ancestors to make the best of the few chances they got to eat, our bodies developed the ability to partition food energy. What I mean by this is when we eat, our bodies will use a specific amount of energy for any immediate functions and then partition the rest into storage for later use. This process occurs in preparation for a period of low food availability. This means that if a hunting escapade was unsuccessful, then it was okay simply because their bodies had already prepared emergency food from prior meals for their bodies to feed off of. Sounds convenient, right? So how does the body use this emergency storage? Well, it turns out that insulin has a twin brother, glucagon. However, while insulin's job is to lower elevated blood sugars, glucagon's job is to raise low blood sugars. You see, the reason our bodies tried to maintain a certain blood sugar threshold in our bloodstream is because even when we're not eating, our bodies still need to carry out certain functions 24 seven or else we'll die. For example, breathing or our heartbeat. To make sure vital mechanisms can continue doing their jobs, our bodies try to maintain a certain amount of readily available blood sugars for our organs to pick off of throughout the day. However, after an extensive period of time, 
If these blood sugars aren't replaced, then blood sugar levels will begin to dwindle. The pancreas will sense this and produce glucagon. Glucagon then goes to the liver and fat cells and releases fats into the bloodstream to be used as energy. This is the second part of your starvation mode. Why would your body pick off your muscle tissue when it spent centuries developing the perfect emergency food system for specific situations such as these? Now, keep in mind that this is your body's emergency food storage and preparation for situations where food isn't available for extensive periods of time. In the event that a situation like that never comes around, what reason does your body fat have to use its body fat? For the vast majority, food is always available to us. And following our biological instincts, we certainly take advantage of this and eat quite often. However, this is to our detriment. This is why eating small meals frequently throughout the day doesn't work. You're quite literally telling your brain, hey, Hold off on using the emergency storage because I have found a consistent food source. Okay, so what happens then? Well, the body continues storing energy in preparation for that one fateful day, but it never comes. Our body fat then accumulates and suddenly you're obese. Apply this to 99% of humans and you have an obesity epidemic. So what do we do to combat this? Simple we absolutely must give our bodies a reason to use as emergency storage. The only way to do this is to create an artificial time frame when food isn't available. We can do that through intermittent fasting. Intermittent fasting is the act of voluntarily abstaining from food and energy-dense drinks for a fixed period of time. For example, the most popular version is the 16-hour version. You create an eight-hour eating window in your day and then abstain from anything except water, non-sweetened and or non-flavored sparkling water, unsweetened tea, and unsweetened coffee for the remaining 16 hours until you reach the beginning of your eating window the next day. Now, of course, this isn't as extreme as what our ancestors most likely had to go through, but it doesn't need to be because it takes about 12 to 16 hours for our bodies to begin using its emergency storage depending on the state of your body. By all means though, if you wish to fast for longer periods of time, you're certainly welcome to. If you pair intermittent fasting and refined carbohydrate restriction, you're now set for a satisfying weight loss journey. Thank you for listening, and I hope you learned something new today.